Welcome back to the My Thoughts My Way podcast, the podcast where I say what's on my mind, however the heck I feel like saying it. Appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully you get something good out of this. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope you had a wonderful, safe 4th of July weekend. And if you did launch any fireworks, hopefully you still have all 10 fingers and 11 toes. Wait, wait. It's 10 and 10. My bad. 10 and 10. Hopefully you have all 10 fingers and 10 toes. 20 appendages, 20 phalanges, whatever you want to call them. Dedos in in Spanish, I think that's what it is. Hey, so I was actually talking to my daughter this morning. And would you know the little rugrat, the little minion, asked me a very interesting question. Now, I shave my head completely. I go bald. If I let it grow out, if I let it grow out too much, I look like a fatter Bernie Sanders and a little bit taller, I think. But if I keep it trimmed, I can kind of pull a fatter, younger Patrick Stewart. But I go bald because I don't like having that patch on the top of my head. So my daughter asked me today, and this is actually kind of funny. She said, Dad, when you shower, what do you use to wash your head? Do you use soap or shampoo? Well, I guess shampoo is soap. So I just look at her and I said, look, do I have hair to need shampoo? No. So what do you think I use? I use the same body wash I I use to wash the rest of my daggum body. Interesting thoughts from a kid. You know, and another side note before I get into the fun stuff. You know, a a talk host I listen to on the radio regularly, he laments on a regular, kind of a semi-frequent basis, usually every couple of weeks or so, he says, I don't know how I'm going to get about four and a half to five hours worth of material into the three-hour time slot I have in the morning. And you know what? With how much has been going on, boy, do I feel that. I really do feel that. Now, I'm not encumbered by mandatory breaks and times when I have to take a break for pause or whatever like he is. But man, I'm trying to keep this down to a reasonable period of time. And there's just so much I want to talk about. So, I mean, it's just it just sucks. So I'm experimenting with something new today in this podcast i'm actually cutting audio and bringing audio in from outside sources because it's going to be kind of fun so up here this weekend the highland park parade shooting on the fourth of july very very tragic very tragic my heart goes out to all those that were impacted those that were killed and those that were injured those that lost loved ones And I saw an interesting question on social media. It said, how much, how, when is enough enough? When do, when does the safety of kids overrule or overrule or override your need for a gun? And it actually, that kind of triggered me to, or I shouldn't say triggered. I don't like that word. It caused me to think about something. And it made me think about an American dad episode where they're talking about guns and gun safety and the need for guns. And I just want to play a little clip here. So let's go ahead and throw that in first. Well, it's clear the time has come for me to show you where we hide our guns. Glock, 17 shots. Pen gun, mightier than the sword. Sword gun, mightier than the pen gun. AR-15. MK5, MAC-10, Paprika. That's weird. I use that pantry a lot. And the Paprika not enough. I can't believe this house is teeming with guns. Guns kill. Oh, guns kill. Is that right? Well, let's see about that. Okay, gun, kill. Go ahead, kill someone. Don't be shy. See? Guns don't kill people. People kill people. 
Guns defend people against people with smaller guns. So I actually have friends that uh, that are the same way. You don't use enough paprika. Is telling me all that all the time. So the basic premise of this cartoon, if you have never heard of it, is Stan Smith, the guy talking about the guns, is a CIA agent. And in this particular episode, they're talking about crime and how crime is rising in the neighborhood. So the idea is that, hey, crime's getting really out of hand. So Stan, uh, so, uh, Stan explains to his family, hey, here are the guns in case you need to protect yourself. And you know what? <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've made that argument dozens of times before. I have slept, and I, I've told this story before. Uh, I don't know if in this forum. I have literally slept with a loaded pistol underneath my pillow. I have slept with a loaded M4, that's the military version of the AR-15, literally propped up against the wall in the corner right next to my bed. I have shot thousands, thousands of rounds of ammunition out of, out of firearms in the ranges and elsewhere. And let me tell you what, at no point in those thousands of rounds have I ever personally had a gun shoot when I didn't want it to. And I've only personally witnessed one time, one time, when a gun shot when we didn't want to. That was a machine gun. We were doing machine gun live fires. And the trigger assembly off, fell off of this machine gun. It was a known issue that it could happen. It wasn't a very frequent thing. Typically, it happened with, more with weapons that were not properly maintained. And with that case, the gun was already pointed in a safe direction. So if the trigger falls off when you're doing that, you just, we call it ride the lightning. You just hold it until either the gun runs out or you break the belt. And then it stops firing because that's what happens. If it doesn't have anything to shoot, it it can't shoot. So, but I mean, I've made that argument dozens of times before. Guns don't kill people. I've never witnessed, never had a gun shoot without having somebody pull the trigger. Now, and that's another thing, too. There's a huge misconception. Everybody talks about assault weapons. The assault weapon was a made-up term. It was a made-up term for this big old, big, scary gun ban from 1994. Congress had to make up this term in order to pass this ban. Now, I'll tell you what. I am very pro-Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was written with the idea that the people, the people, you and me, have the same guns, the same firearms, the same capacity to defend ourselves as our government. It was the same way in the Revolutionary War. The people of the country, at the close of the Revolutionary War, when the Constitution and the Bill of Rights were written, had the exact same guns that the government had because the people were the army. The people were the armed forces. But anyhow, I digress. Here we go. So there's this huge misconception that some people think that a semi-automatic is this big scary gun where you pull the trigger one time and you sure you're shooting out 300 rounds a second, which that's not what a semi-automatic weapon is. I can tell you exactly what a semi what semi-automatic means. Semi-automatic means one trigger pull, one bullet. So let's talk about let's just talk about your your standard AR-15 since everybody likes to talk about that one. It looks scary because it looks like a military weapon. So here's what happens when you squeeze that trigger. Now, notice I said squeeze, not pull. We'll talk about mechanics later if you want to talk. 
So here's what happens when you squeeze that trigger. Assuming you have a round chambered and the safety is switched from safe to fire, okay? You're going to squeeze that trigger. There's going to be a little lever inside the trigger assembly. It's going to release the hammer. The hammer is going to fly up. The hammer is going to hit the firing pin. The firing pin is going to jet forward. It's going to hit the primer of the bullet. The primer is going to ignite the, uh, the explosive inside the bullet. The projectile is going to shoot out from the barrel and along with a bunch of gas. Gas is going to come back through a gas tube. Come back is going to push the entire bolt assembly back. When it pushes that bolt assembly back, it's going to unchamber that round. That round is going to eject. The bolt is then going to slide forward, picking up another round from the magazine. If there is one, if there's not, it's not going to pick one up. It's going to rechamber, it's going to chamber and lock that new round into the chamber and be ready to fire. That's it. One trigger pull, one trigger squeeze, one round. That's a semi-automatic. The only, and it, it's, it's the same thing with the revolver. It really is. The only difference is that when you squeeze that trigger, that's going to, if you're, if the hammer has not been cocked back yet. Okay, well, let me generally just qualify that. If the hammer have, has not been cocked back yet in that revolver, you're going to squeeze the trigger. The trigger is going to pull that hammer back. The, there's a mechanism as the hammer gets pulled back that's going to rotate the the rounds in place. That way, a new round or a new uh, hole for the round is up in the barrel. Once it's back, as long as you continue pulling that trigger, that's going to release the trigger. The trigger is going to go forward and hit that round. One trigger squeeze, one round. That's what a semi-automatic semi weapon is. But there are so many people out there that have this conception where semi-automatic means you're shooting 30 rounds a second or 300 rounds a second, but that's not exact. That's not. You could not be further further from the truth with that. You You really couldn't be further from the truth. But the truth is, I never feel more safe personally and with my family than I do when I have a legally owned, legally possessed weapon in my possession. Because I know what I'm capable of. I know that if the crap hits the, hits the fan, that I am able to use that weapon safely, appropriately, and protect my family to eliminate the bad guy. Now, don't tell me, because we can get into this, don't tell me, oh, you shouldn't just shoot to kill a guy if he's breaking into your house. <laughs> I am not going to try and shoot some guy's hand if he's breaking into my house. That's not the way the military trains. That's not the way the cops train. That's not how anybody trains. When you're shooting, when you train shooting, you shoot center mass. You're going to shoot the middle of the biggest part of the body. Why? Because that's where you're going to guarantee get a guaranteed hit. And when the shit hits the fan, excuse language, that's an official business term, by the way. When it gets crazy out there, your nervous system, you're going to lose control of your fine motor skills. So that's when that, that muscle memory comes in. Shoot for the largest part of the body, center mass. That's why I believe in gun ownership. But here's another thought. I was having this conversation, and I've seen this a couple times on social media over the last uh, few days. And indeed, the last several months. Why the hell are we punishing law-abiding legal gun owners who have done nothing wrong 
because a few idiots are going out there and doing something dumb. Here's a thought. Here's a thought. Here's a thought. Uh, last weekend, I went out with some friends. It was a social event. We went. We met at a brew house. I went out knowing that I would likely be having, be consuming alcohol. I knew that everybody else around me was going to consume alcohol. Okay. I saw in the news uh, a drunk driver, a report about a drunk driver. And it got me thinking, why? Why are we punishing gun owners? Why are we attacking guns when we have these shootings and these killings? But we don't do the same thing for drunk drivers. We don't go after after alcohol. We don't go after car manufacturers. And I said this at after the last shooting in Texas. I said, nobody is responsible for the that shooting. Nobody is responsible for this, these most recent shootings other than the people that actually pulled the triggers. So why are we trying... Why, why is this mob mentality, and I'm going to talk about the mob mentality in the future, I know that, but why is this mob mentality say, okay, I don't like guns, I don't like guns, I don't think you should have guns, get rid of guns, because they scare me. <laughs> you know what, a lot of things scare me. But you will never, never hear me talking about, oh, that scares me, we we got to ban it. And you know what? And I don't, I, I hate to generalize because I know not everybody is like this, but, and so, so often you see, you, you see the, the, the left. Okay. We'll call them the liberal block, the Democrat block. I don't want to say the far left because well, I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we can even say the far left. It's more often it, the far left that have these, I don't like guns. I should not have, you should not have them. I don't like it. So you can't have it. And I, we see that we've seen that so much over the last 20 or 30 years. And I know a talk, I talked about how we we've become a society where if you don't agree with me, you can't be my friend. And it's, now, I'm not saying all people who fit within that are are like that. Um, but more often than not, on, that's on the right, the conservative side, the constitutionalist side. Me personally, I say, okay, you don't like guns, don't have one. <laughs> it's that simple. If you're not comfortable with a gun in your home, don't have a gun in your home. Don't take away my right to have a gun and to protect myself. And there, there's a saying, there's a saying, when seconds matter, the cops are only six minutes away. I don't know where, I don't know how it is everywhere, but I will say this here in Western Washington, police response times have gone way down. They are bad. And in many cases up in Seattle, there are so many calls that don't get answered because the police officers on duty are just so damn swamped. They're just so damn swamped. The bottom line, though, is that the right to own guns is a constitutionally protected right. It's in the Second Amendment, unlike some other rights that everybody wants to claim they have. (music) 
rights that everybody wants to claim they have but have no foundation. I am getting so sick and damn tired of the abortion debate. Specifically, the Dobbs versus Mississippi decision that just was released from the Supreme Court two weeks ago. What that had, what, okay, let me back up. Let me back up. In 1973, the Supreme Court ruled, and I have not read the original decision, I have read Dobbs, ruled that there is a fundamental right to an abortion in America. So for 49 years, women have had the ability, I'm not going to say the right, but women have had the ability to get abortion for whatever reason. Certain states have had, and typically conservative states, um, have gone about trying to limit and restrict those as much as possible, restrict that so-called right. Okay. So what happened was in this Dobbs versus Mississippi case is that the state of Mississippi, I think it's Mississippi, it might be Missouri. Anyhow, this state passed a law saying, okay, you cannot have an abortion before after 15 weeks of gestation. Okay, most states have some sort of restriction like that. But people in the state said, nope, we don't like that. We want abortion on demand all the way through the pregnancy. I have my personal feelings on abortion, and I think you might pro- you'll probably f- figure those out here as we go through this. So they, but anyhow, the the dissent; these people filed a lawsuit saying, "No, that's unconstitutional. There is a fundamental constitutional right to an abortion at any period of time." It worked its way through the court system, and here we are. Now I have read the Dobbs decision, almost all 230 some odd pages. I've read the syllabus. I've read the the majority opinion. I've read the, the uh, supporting opinion and I've read a good chunk of the dissent. So interesting. I'm going to talk about exactly what this decision does here in a moment, but it's interesting what some of the stuff that the justices wrote. And I'm going to read a couple clips, a couple excerpts here verbatim. Uh, let me see here. For the first 185 years after the adoption of the Constitution, each state was permitted to address this issue in accordance with the views of its citizens. Fact. Then in 1973, this court decided Roe v. Wade, even though the Constitution makes no mention of abortion. Fact. I've read the damn thing. The court held that it confers a broad right to obtain one. Uh, okay. I disagree, but it did not claim that the American law, that American law or the common law had ever recognized such a right. And its survey of history ranged from the constitutionally irrelevant, e.g. its discussion of abortion in antiquity, to the plainly incorrect. Its assertion that abortion was probably never a crime under common law. Again, plainly incorrect. Blah, blah, blah. Skip ahead a little bit. Until the latter part of the 20th century, so 1970s, there was no support in American law for a constitutional right to obtain an abortion. No state constitutional provision had recognized such a right. Until a few years before Roe was handed down, no federal or state court had recognized such a right. Truth. Okay. So here's the thing, though. So uh, if I, as I understand it, about a year before Roe, so in 1972, the state of Washington had passed, I don't know if it was a constitutional amendment, I don't think it was, but they had passed a law saying, hey, we support abortion, you do you. 
All right, so not only are respondents and their supporters unable to show that a constitutional right to abortion was established when the 14th Amendment was adopted, that was the rationale that the Supreme Court in 73 had said was there, uh, but they have also found no support for the existence of an abortion right that predates the latter part of the 20th century. Okay. The dissent is very candid that it cannot show that a constitutional right to an abortion has any foundation, let alone a deeply rooted one, in this nation's history and tradition. Interesting. Here's a clip. The Supreme Court, with the Dobbs decision, for the first time in the history of our nation, took a constitutional right that had been recognized and took it from the women of America. Took a constitutional right. And what is so outrageous about this on every level is one, it is the taking of a right that was given and guaranteed and something that we took for granted to be settled law. The taking of a right that was given and guaranteed. They have found no support for the existence of an abortion right that predates the latter part of the 20th century, no state constitutional provision, no statute, no judicial decision, no learned treaties. The earliest sources called to our attention are a few district court and state court decisions decided shortly before Roe and a small number of law review articles from the same period. Even the dissent in this case has admitted that there is no constitutional basis for abortion. Our decision returns the issue of abortion to those legislative bodies, so the states, and it allows women on both sides of the abortion issue to seek to affect the legislative process by influencing public opinion, lobbying legislature, legislators, voting, and running for office. This does not ban abortion at a federal level. My guns do not have more rights and privileges than any women out there. This decision sends it rightfully back to the state legislatures where it belongs. Let the states, in accordance with the will of their constituencies, make that decision. In Washington, I already know not a damn thing is going to change. Not a damn thing. Governor Inslee still pushing for an amendment to the state constitution. But you know what? He can do what he wants. He's a governor. He can try that. He's got his processes. If you want a constitutionally guaranteed right to an abortion... Go through the amendment process of the United States Constitution. Petition your representatives and your legislatures. Get two-thirds of Congress to pass a bill and then get three-quarters of the states to ratify this amendment. It's not easy, but it's doable. If you are that passionate about securing abortion as a constitutional right. But you know what? There are so damn many people complaining, my body, my choice, specifically women. (laughs) Well, first off, last time I checked, it took two people to create a child. It took two people, man and a woman, egg and sperm. So we're always talking about the mother's right to abort, the mother's right to terminate the pregnancy, the mother's right to decide to have the baby or not. I have heard very few people on both sides of the aisle talk about a father's right, a father's right to that child, because I'm sorry, I've got four kids. 
<laughs> they're as much mine as their mother's. And I love them probably as much as their mother. I would say I, I love my kids as much as their mother does. But if a woman can go through and have, the, have that right, what about the father? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Guy gets a girl pregnant. She decides to keep the kid. Guy doesn't want anything to do with the child. Because that's essentially what an abortion says. Oh, I don't want anything to do with you, so I'm just going to get rid of you. Guy doesn't want anything to do with the child. Guess what? That mother is still going to take that guy to court, ransack him, rake him through the coals, and take him for money. He's going to be paying child support for the next 18 to 22 years. Probably more, depending on the state. But the father doesn't want anything to do with that child. The guy doesn't want anything to do. He doesn't have a choice. He can't just say, nope, not my problem. But that's what the what abortion rights activists want for the mother. <laughs> so here's a thought. Okay. If a woman decides to keep the child and have that baby, the father wants nothing to do with it, he can just walk out. He can just be completely gone. That's kind of what you're, what abortion is, isn't it? Basically. And I say this as a guy who faced the very real possibility that my oldest child had his mother and I not been on the same page, could have been aborted, could have been terminated. And I wouldn't, I would have had, I wouldn't have had a single say in the matter. How many dads out there, how many guys out there would love the chance to take that child and raise it as their own, which that child is their own, but lost that opportunity because my body, my choice. It's really simple. Roe, the Dobbs decision does not outlaw, it does not ban abortion on a federal level. It doesn't. It returns the decision back to the states where it should have been the entire time. The Supreme Court should never have been involved. And it should never have made that decision. There are going to be people that travel to another state for an abortion. And as far as the Constitution is concerned, I mean, I suppose that's their right. (laughs) Uh, I do remember reading something that uh, the Supreme Court said that states cannot prohibit their citizens from traveling to another state for an abortion. Um, so, yes, there are going to be states, and there already are states that are severely limiting or outright banning abortions. And then there are other states like California, New York, Washington, that are saying they're, they're, they're becoming essentially... Uh, Sanctuary states for abortions. Hey, come have an abortion. King County, Washington just vote, just authorized half a million dollars to help pay for people from out of the state to come to King County for their abortions. And Governor Inslee is trying to get more, even more money. He wants like a billion dollars 
or something from the state legislature for the same thing. Washington's going to be the same way, or California's going to be the same way. Don't get me started on California. I've got more that I want to. Yeah, California needs help. <laughs> I, there are there are definitely some good people in California, but on the whole, California needs help. I think everybody, and I talked. I think I spoke last week, maybe a week or two ago, about the fact that people need to actually read in order to talk about, in order to know what they're talking about. I am comfortable talking about the Dobbs decision because I've read the case. I've read the decision. I'm comfortable talking about the Constitution because I've got a copy in my desk and I've read it. But people need to calm down. People need to take a step back and think about what they're talking about. Think about what they're doing. And maybe, just maybe, you might learn something if you read something. Okay? The dissent does not identify any pre-Roe authority that supports a right to an abortion. Not even a scholarly treatise. You know, I I hate to say it, but abortion is not going to go anywhere. On the whole, abortion is not going to go anywhere. Like I said, there are going to be states that allow it. There are going to be states that don't. But people need to take a step back, catch their breath, and then, as the Dobbs decision said, people on both sides seek to affect the legislative process by influencing public opinion, lobbying legislators, voting, and running for office. Nine people, men and women, in Washington, D.C., gave the right to make that decision back where it belongs to the states. That's enough heavy stuff today. I think, man, man, that was draining. Now, I've been really tired lately. Um, Well, it doesn't help that, uh, was it last night? I stayed up until about 1 o'clock in the morning playing my Oculus. I was playing Star Trek Bridge Bridge Crew. It was kind of fun. That and I got a whole, man, just a whole lot of other stuff going on. It's tiring. So, upcoming events for me. <laughs> I got a lot of irons on the burner. I am currently working on developing a, a more of an online presence. So, this has been a fun experiment for me. I have, I have enjoyed doing this audio side, but now it's actually time to start putting a website together starting social media. So that's going to be fun. So that's got, that's upcoming. Um, yeah. We got summer. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the weather's like everywhere, but I'll tell you what, it's like summer is drunk. I walked out of my apartment this morning, about just before 7 a.m. And it was raining in Western Washington. Tell you what, my first thought was go home summer. You're drunk. <laughs> it's been weird. So as I get more information on my social media and website presence, I will happily, happily give that out. But it's super exciting. I actually do intend to start writing as well. So blogging. And then I'm trying, looking at expanding this onto other 
hosting platforms, I guess we'll call it, because I'm on Spotify right now, but I do want to expand to other platforms. So there you have it. Another, I, I would call it a successful episode of the My Thoughts My Way podcast. I really do appreciate tuning in, joining me, and going on this journey with me. Like I said, this has been a fun journey. So much to talk about and new news coming in every day. I really do appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I hope to talk to you soon at some point. Thanks so much. Take care.